Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoy it. But first, I want to ask you a question. Are you someone who has high upside potential in your business and yet sometimes that goal is just hard to get to and maybe the only way you've seen to get to it is just to make more calls, you know, work harder? Well, if you're fed up with using old strategies to solve new problems, then I might have a solution. It's my five-day million-dollar seller challenge. We meet one hour a day in a coaching intensive where I will teach you five moves that you can make to scale your results without working harder. To learn more, click the link in the show notes or go to milliondollarsellerchallenge.com. If you are a CEO, president, or VP of sales, and you've got a team that you want to improve, listen up. In this episode, I give you five codes of conduct that everyone needs to live by. Are you ready? Then brace yourself. Let's go. It's time for the Bill Kasky Podcast, a weekly show carefully crafted to help you grow your skills and your results in business. Now, here's your host, Bill Kasky. Hello, all back at the Bill Kasky Podcast. This is our leadership edition that comes out every Tuesday, and it's primarily for CEOs, presidents, VPs of sales, sales leaders. Yes, salespeople can listen, but it's primarily directed at the executive branch of the administration. So uh, let's talk today about one of the things that we find when I go into a company, and I just had a meeting last week with a president of a a pretty nice-sized firm. They have, uh, I don't know, 18, 20 salespeople. They have some sales engineers. And they were struggling with lots of different points along the sales process. Number one was they just weren't getting enough leads. They just, the lead flow was not where it needed to be. And as we spoke and I found out where they were missing some items, it became pretty apparent that none of the salespeople had any kind of what I would call a code of conduct. And I've created this list, and there's several things, probably 15 things on this list. And it's I wouldn't say it's an exhaustive list, but it really helps you, and I'm going to share with you five of these today, that helps you to decide, are your people thinking and acting in the right way. As you've heard on this podcast before, I say that inputs lead to outputs, and we cannot control outputs. We can't control how much money people earn, how much money comes in. We can't control the prospect taking their metaphorical wallet out and writing you a check, but we can control the inputs, all the things that go into this. And I have uh, this notion that it would be great if every president listening to this, every VP of sales listening should and could focus on how can I make my sales team world class? And so thus, I've named this code of conduct list the world class code of conduct. I mean, if we're going to create a sales team and a culture that it, that excels in whatever they do, why wouldn't we shoot for world class? There's no reason why we shouldn't. So if you're looking around your sales team right now and say, you know what, we're doing pretty well, got some good people, got some good things going, good velocity. If you're looking at those things and saying, I'm not sure I need help here, I want you to listen to this world-class code of conduct because I think you'll start to hear some things that your people are not doing. And again, for sales leaders, I think most of these things I'm going to go through are must-dos. So let's, uh, without further ado, let's get into the list. And by the way, this just doesn't apply to your sales teams. This applies to everybody inside the organization, including at an executive level. Number one, 
clear about my vision. And even though I may never get there, or I'm not there now, I'm always heading in that direction. I find that in sales organizations, really any organizations, there is a massive deficit in the communication of the vision. Where are we going? Where are you going? Do you have a plan? Do you have a vision for yourself? And more importantly, probably if you have a team of people is, do we have a vision for the team or for the company? And I find this is a, a big lack in companies. So not only should you have a company vision and VPs of sales, you should have a departmental vision. What do you want your sales team overall to be pushing toward? But each person on the team needs to have their own personal vision. Where are they going? How much income do they want to earn? What do they want their business life to look like a few years down the road? What kinds of skills do they need to have in order to accomplish that vision? My best guess is that when I ask salespeople in general, because that's a lot of who I train in addition to VPs of sales and our coaching programs for managers, I'd probably say 30% of those people can recite the vision of the company. That means 70% cannot. Now, it doesn't mean you don't have a vision if your team can't recite it. But that's, by, by the way, a very good exercise for you is go to view your team members and say, what is your impression of where we're going as a company? See if they're close. See if they have any answer. And it's not, again, necessarily you don't have one. It's if we haven't communicated it properly, then that's kind of the same thing as not having one. So code of conduct number one, everyone is crystal clear about where we're going. We may not even know how to get there, which is one of my others here, but at least we have direction. Number two, code of conduct is that I'm involved in the process and not the results. I overheard Tyler Lockett, who's a wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks. He was on the Michael Gervais podcast, and Michael is a sports psychologist and actually works with the Seahawks. But this was an awesome interview by Tyler Lockett. He's 27 years old. He's wise beyond his years, but he has gone to the Pete Carroll school of mindfulness, and he reiterated probably nine times during this interview that I don't worry about the game. I don't worry about the score. I don't worry about whether I catch the ball. That's going to happen if I work the process. So my question to you, VPs of sales and CEOs, is, is that what you measure, the process? Or are you only measuring results? And I have a feeling that you spend a whole lot more time on the results than you do the process. The process of how to get the results. The process of what kind of behavior does the team need to take and make and do? How do they need to be thinking about things? What are all the things that could happen? Are we helping them be strategically ready for the pitfalls and the downsides and the roadblocks that happen in sales? And if you are not focused on the process and you're only focused on the results, then it becomes hard to fix anything in the process and it becomes hard to grow the results. Here's an example. I have a mastermind group called the World Class Sales Leadership Program, and it's with eight to 10 sales managers, VPs of sales, higher level people inside B2B sales organizations. Anybody who has a team that reports to them can qualify to get into the World Class Program. And I had a brand new member. He ran a sales team of about, uh, I think, 12 people. And he was complaining and, and moaning about my people don't do the right behavior to get the leads, to generate the conversions, to get the results. 
We're just not generating enough leads. Well, his answer was, not anymore, but his answer was, before we started talking about this, go make more calls. Go do more behavior. Go take massive market action. Well, that's not the process. That's not working on the process. That's just working on the results. It's like you're, you're bludgeoning people with go do more, do more, do more, and that's not the answer. It's just not the answer. What I'm more interested in is what's the process? What's the process people are using right now to generate leads? Are they using any kind of a market freebie? Are they using webinars? Are they using speeches? Are they using anything other than banging down doors? What's the process? Once you know the process and you work on the process, the results will take care of themselves. This is kind of a Zen attribute is I work on the process. I work on my mind. I work on all the things that go into the result, but I don't worry about the result. Phil Jackson, coach of the Chicago Bulls during their three-peat, I don't know how many they won for, three or four national championships, the NBA. Jackson was a Zen, meditation, Eastern, Buddhist kind of guy. And it's not probably the accurate way to describe him, but he always talked about that. I read his book. He always talked about, we have to work the process. It's the next time down the floor. We don't worry about winning or losing. It's next time down the floor. What are we going to do next? How are we going to improve our process? And that worked out pretty well for him, I'd say. Number three, and this goes back kind of to number one, and that is this, code of conduct. I have a definitive map of how to get from where I am to my personal vision, and I review it frequently to make sure that I'm on track. So it's one thing to have a goal, and I see this a lot of times in sales organizations, especially near the end of the year, we'll start planning the next year. And usually what planning simply means is somebody in the organization wants a number. Okay, you did $2.4 million last year. What's it going to be in 2020 or 2021? You're going to take it from 2.4 to 3. Okay, great. But that's not a plan. That's just a forecast. Actually, that's just a number. It means nothing. I want to know, in the, in the world-class achievers, always have some sense of how exactly will I accomplish that? How will I get to my goal? I've used the example on this podcast before that if you're training for the 2022 or 2024 Olympics or whenever the next Olympics is, let's just say that you've got two years to train, then you better damn well be sure that you have a plan of attack down to the day probably. What do you need to do every day? How do you need to correct your mind? How do you need to fix things? What do you need to work on in terms of technique? But you'd better have a plan of some kind. I call this the personal business plan. I think you as a leader need to make sure every one of your people has a personal business plan, understands what am I doing today, where am I going six months to a year down the road, and how exactly will I get there. And if the only thing on their plan is make a thousand cold calls a day or a month or whatever, that's just not good enough. A plan needs to understand what kind of attitude you need to have, what kind of skills, what kind of technology is going to help you get to that number. So make sure you don't let people short you on the plan. A plan is not, I want to go from 2 million to 3 million. That is not a plan. That's a forecast. So world-class code of conduct, have a definitive map of how to get from here to there. Number four, 
I embrace new technologies that can give me an edge in the market and help me amplify my value and voice to the right people. Are you encouraging your people to embrace technology? It is not good enough today to say, oh, you know what, I'm 50 years old, I'm 55, I'm 60, I'm 40, whatever the age is, everybody uses age as an excuse. I don't understand that stuff, that's not for me. Or, oh, my people aren't on LinkedIn. My customers aren't on Facebook. Be careful about those universally discounted mantras that you hear people say. My question is, when you look around your sales team, Ask them, what technologies have you embraced in the last 12 months that's going to help you grow your business? And you, as the leader, had better be front and center there. You can't ask them to embrace new technologies if you don't know how to turn your phone off and on. That's an easy one. I know you know how to do that. But what technologies can give you an edge or give them an edge in the market? If you're not looking at that, can you imagine how crazy it would be that if a, if a sprinter is training for a race a year or two down the road... And there's a brand new technique for stretching using bands. I'm just using, pulling this out of my, you know what, that they could get an extra, you know, 0.2 off their 400 meter dash. And they say, oh, no, no, I'm going to go back to the old way. The, t- the way they used to do it in the 60s and 70s. I don't need any new bands. I don't need that. Read Tom Brady's book. I think it's called T12 or 12T workout or something like that. He talks in there a lot about how he has constantly updated his training regimen with his trainer, personal trainer, to reflect new technology and new discoveries and new research that help a person age better, help them be more flexible, help them be stronger. So my question for you is, are your people embracing new technology? Ask them again, what new tech are you embracing right now? That's number four. Number five Consistently aware of how I think about me, my world, and my potential. Am I constantly asking myself how to think differently about those things where there are problems? And so here's the way I look at this. When I go into a company, I always ask the question of the owners and the VPs of sales, what's not working today? Where are their shortfalls is it in lead generation? Is conversion? Is it in positioning? Is it the average sale price is too low? Does it cost too much to acquire a new client? Whatever. Where, where are things not working? People, I know you do too. You have a pretty good sense of where things aren't working. I would challenge you that every place that is not working, there's the thinking problem. There's something wrong with our thinking. Not just with actions, but with the thinking behind it. Elon Musk, who uh, runs, founded and runs Tesla, then whatever you think about him or if you think about Tesla or the cars or electric powered cars, it doesn't matter. What he does is he takes this concept of first principles. And first principles is you got to go back to the very beginning. You have to agree on some assumptions. So here's my first principle that you can take with you. I'm not going to go through a whole first principles tutorial, but maybe we can do that in another episode. The first principle is... How one thinks determines how one acts, and how one acts determines how one achieves. So if people aren't achieving at the level you want, you've got to go back and check out the thinking. That's where things come unglued, or that's where things really start to prosper. And one of the things that we teach our sales teams is you've got to think abundantly. If you start thinking scarcity, lack, constriction, If you start thinking that way, 
then you will start acting that way and the customer will be on to you and they'll pick up the vibe of scarcity and attachment and fear and nobody wants to buy from that person. So the first principle is how you think determines your results. So you've got to take that and decide where is thinking not right. So those are the five world-class codes of conduct. There are 10 others. I'll share with you uh, on the subsequent episodes some of the others, but those are, those are five of my first 10, and I wanted to share those with you today. So the assignment was contained in here. Go ask your people. Go ask your people where they're going, what their vision is. Ask them to produce their plan. Have them show it to you. What is your personal business plan? Ask them about technologies. What new technologies have you embraced and then where is their thinking off? Those four or five things will help you. If you want to talk to me about how I can come in and help you train your team, coach them up a little bit and get some much better results in the market, you can find out more about me at BillKasky.com. See you next time. Bye. If you want more Kasky, go to BillKasky.com and you can get on his list or set up a time to speak live. And make sure you share this episode with your tribe too. 